following announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WZWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California in Fury. It is great to be with you all here tonight. I'm excited because uh, here today I, I get the opportunity to talk to, I, I, I would describe her as a superwoman, really. She's She can do it all, ladies and gentlemen. It appears in my research she's born in Philadelphia, but I think that's incorrect. I think she's from a place called uh, Themyscira, which is referred to as Paradise Island, a a secret and hidden island on uh, Earth inhabited by the Amazons of myth, which you might know if you're a fan of Wonder Woman. She's multi-talented. She's a woman of power that's too sweet to be sour. She is the one and the only april hunter how are you april i'm great after that intro oh my god will you come on the road with me and just do that everywhere i go even in the grocery store i want you to walk in before me and just do that before i hit the frozen food aisle Please. well you know i, I gotta do it <laughs> i gotta do it i uh i just i adore you very much and you know look i'm wearing a red shirt i've got a glass of red right here so i mean <laughs> I'm getting myself in the zone here to learn a little bit about the one and only April Hunter. And of course you have the coffee there. Uh. I did, let's see, the, the time change. Now, now if we were, sw- we were swapped over, I would be doing the wine and you would be doing the coffee, right? That's it. <laughs> um, so April, uh, first question usually I ask everyone on the show is, were they a wrestling fan growing up? No, I was not. Um, I was an MMA fan and my dad, uh, by default, I was a, uh, a martial artist. I started martial arts, I want to say around 10 or 11 years old, strictly because my brother was supposed to take the classes. Um, and he quit, he wasn't interested and they couldn't get a refund. So, you know, it was an offhand thing. They're like, Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I shut that off. Um, it was an offhand thing where they said, well, April, do you want to take the classes? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I jumped right in. I always followed martial arts. I was, you know, Sunday was Bruce, Bruce Lee, Kung Fu Theater. <laughs> and uh, when MMA came out, I was, you know, always glued to the TV. So they had a really difficult time with me at Killer Kowalski's because it is very challenging to transition someone who is used to striking as hard and as fast (laughs) as possible into making it look like that and not actually doing any damage. Right. You know, we're used to going through boards, so. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, it would be an interesting transition. so, I mean, as you're growing up, yes. you're, you're into, into your, your MMA. Um, I guess you, you also, through that, find a passion for health and fitness and, and all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, you, you get involved in a lot of bodybuilding and all that. Um, uh, this is one thing that I was interested to learn about because there's probably a lot of laymen out there that don't understand how difficult it is to prepare yourself and your body to compete in a bodybuilding type competition. Could you please uh, take this opportunity? 
opportunity to explain just how difficult that is? Um, well, I don't do it anymore because I just came off of many years of university where I went to a 24-7 school. <laughs> and um, <laughs> doing it right. <laughs> I went to a 24-7 school and it was a, an accelerated school. So it was so difficult to make time to work out. A lot of times I was just grabbing whatever I could or doing a walk around the neighborhood or doing 15 minutes of wait. And honestly, with working out, anything is better than nothing. But when you're competing, it is pretty much a full-time thing. And 80% of what you look like is your diet. So the diet, oh man, it is so strict. So there's not a lot of wiggle room there. It's a lot of really plain whole food, you know, a lot of chicken and fish and turkey and sweet potatoes and brown rice. And, you know, after a while your body acclimates and you just get used to it, but you're eating five, six times a day. And as soon as you get done your meal, you know, you have a real small portion. So you get a little, little piece of chicken and a half a sweet potato and like three or four almonds. Cause you have to have your fats and like a little tossed greens with some vinegar on it. I'm not like, as soon as you get done, you're like, that's my next one. So you start the two hours from now, I get another one. So, but yeah, you work out, you work out twice a day and that's, that's your, that's your life at that point. So, and I honestly, I miss the way I looked, but I don't miss what it took to get there. I can, I can understand that. That's for sure. And, um, you know, I, I guess through all this, you, you do a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, photo shoots and, uh, you know, you're a model and, uh, you experienced an opportunity to shoot with Playboy from my research. Correct me if I'm wrong at any point here, um, but I want to know what that experience was like. I had Maria Canellis on the show a few months ago and uh, she told me of her experience. Uh, what was your experience like with Playboy? Well, um, the call came last minute. I had actually been trying to get into Playboy for a very long time and I kept getting rejected. And I found out that a lot of it is what's trending at that particular moment, who you're next to with the pictures and who you know, apparently. So a friend of mine, uh, a friend of mine knew somebody who was looking for uh, fit women for their specialty issue for uh, hard bodies. And basically, out of the blue, I got a call to do an audition. I just happened to be home. I was on the road full-time living in a, in a tour bus in an RV. It was Thanksgiving. I happened to be home that week and they asked me to come to New York for the audition. I had just eaten my face off and felt fat as <laughs> and I was like, oh God, <laughs> and an Italian grandmother who was like, you know, if you didn't have two and three servings, she took it as a personal insult that you hated her. Yeah. And I had to go up the next day to do the audition. I was just like, oh, <laughs> but I did. And then I got called back and went back to New York and how it was, um, it's not what you think. Um, it was actually one of the lower paying jobs I've had. Um, and they have a lot of people on set a lot. And they had somebody there, you know, they had a different light for everything. So they don't do as much retouching as you would think. Um, like that, a hair light and a boob light and a arm light and a butt light and a thigh light. Like there was a lot that went into the lighting. And then they had like somebody that Nivead you up. Are you familiar? Is that a thing in Australia? Um, I haven't heard the phrase before. No. 
Okay, Nivea is a lotion that is really heavy and it has like a sheen to it. Okay. You can also use uh, like Pam spray. Um, it's a, like a nonstick cooking spray. Okay. Because it yep. doesn't absorb in your body. So they had somebody that puts that on. And what that does is that reflects back into, it reflects the light away, which kind of hides the imperfections that you might have like scars or anything like that. Um, so that they don't have to do as much retouching. Right. So they do all of that too. So then you, then you shoot, then you're prepared to shoot. And there's somebody fluffing and fixing and doing this and doing that. So yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. It was a grueling shoot. I worked with somebody who was, uh, my particular photographer was uh, actually pretty insulting. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he was a little, little guy who just kept telling me I'm, I'm not a little person. He kept telling me, uh, apparently a lot of the women at that particular point were little. I know, I understand at the end there, they were going with women who were like five, 11, six feet tall. Um, but he's just kept looking up at me and going, I'm just not used to shooting somebody so big. You're just so big. And I was just like, you're not making me feel sexy, dude. Like, you know, it's like, he needs to think about like Austin Powers in the way that he would, uh, you know, get the girls uh that he was shooting in the movies uh pumped up right right i know you're a tiger so you're a tiger a, yeah <laughs> so yeah no he was uh I was, I was it was not my most uh favorite shoot let's just say but it was the shoot that kind of launched my career and started me into wrestling because i was in there with uh kimberly page and, right uh, wcw that saw it and recruited me so there you go <laughs> okay, cool. So that totally segs straight into the next section, which is my most I knew you were going there. <laughs> section. You know it, you know it. Uh, I'm so predictable. Um, so you're approached by WCW to come in. Who is the person that approaches you and what, you know, what is it that they uh, explain to you about, you know, what they want to do with you when they bring you onto television? Um, I guess it was originally Terry Terrell. Um, he contacted, I was living on the West Coast at that point. Um, I was in Nevada, um, Las Vegas, which was as close as I wanted to deal with California. I'm not a fan. No, no offense to your name. Um, <laughs> um, I just don't see the allure of California at all, unless you're up north. Um, so there was a guy named Rich Minzer, an agent there who contacted several of us. We did an audition and a handful of us got called back. Um, and then they didn't know what to do with us. They had no idea. <laughs> so they wanted me to start before I was ready to start. But at the time, my boyfriend was uh, English and we already, we were going back and forth. We were living between Las Vegas and London. So we already had plans to go spend December and New Year's in London with his family. So I was supposed to start then, but I told them, I'm like, I can't. Cause I mean, like I'm one of those people, my priorities kind of always been family and relationships and I wasn't going to ditch. Um, so I came back and started right after that. Right. Um, so uh, I believe it's uh, January 10th, 2000, uh, that you make your God, first really? appearance on, on television. <laughs> I don't even know that. <laughs> you're good uh, <laughs> uh, and it's scott steiner's birthday apparently on the show this is a this is a fun few segments that air uh, throughout the show but i believe NWO uh, it's, hose. 
<laughs> That's it. Uh, yourself, Tylene Buck, uh, Shakira, I believe, uh, also makes an appearance here. And I know down the line, Pamela Paul Shock and Madeja O'Hearn will also be NWO girls. But um, this is pretty funny. Uh, how was your experience there uh, shooting those scenes with one big Papa Pump, Scott Steiner, and of course, Kevin Nash? Um, I like those guys. I know they they occasionally take some flack or put some flack there online for whatever reasons. But there was a lot of things that went out on the dirt sheets that people didn't see. They, it's kind of like the news, you know, you only see the effect, you don't see the cause. So Steiner was always really great to us. Um, he treated us very well. I've worked with him since everything folded and we've done tours, you know, here and there, or indies or overseas, and he's continually great. Uh, same with Kevin, Kevin's always, uh, He's, he's advised me in the business and always been, we still talk, you know, um, everybody's always been really good to me. Um, I remember, <laughs> and the girls were great too. Um, usually I was the driver for that group we would meet because everybody was from the West Coast and most of our shows were on the East Coast and the East Coast driving is, um, how do I put this? Maniacal, fast and efficient. So, right, yeah. And our, our exit, you know, our on and off ramps are different out here uh, on the East Coast and everybody's like, oh my God, I can't handle this. So they're like, you drive. So I, <laughs> so I, I was, I was, I was the driver for that group. Um, so for example, like I remember reading something about um, Scott freaking out backstage, like losing his shit about, you know, on the bookers but here's the thing they would post ahead of time there was a sheet on the paper a sheet on the wall it would tell you what your pre-tapes were and what time so they were so they were so disorganized that they would just last minute switch everything around so you look and you see your schedule and scott was going in to go ahead and bleach his, his facial hair and go do his thing and then in the middle of that he's got his stuff on they come in, it's a lot of hurry up and wait. They come running in, they're like, we need you right now. We're gonna do the thing. And everybody's there and they're waiting on you. And he's like, are you, you this is not what time you said to do it. I figured I had time. Just so he's like, get out of here. I'm so tired of this kind of, you know, unprofessional shit. So all you hear online is that he's screaming at people about it. You didn't hear the fact that there is a set schedule and he's, working with that schedule and then they're just taking liberties and messing everybody up so right. that kind of stuff happened all the time <laughs> yeah. yeah it's kind of like imagine. hearing that you know it's hearing that um a woman is crazy without hearing what the guy did to her <laughs> exactly that bitch, is, that, that bitch is crazy yeah but what did you do <laughs> to evoke that response so, i mean i, yeah. I know that the, the rumor is scott steiner was hot-headed or whatever but you know I, I can totally see that the the dirt sheets would uh wouldn't have yeah. all the information and they just make it seem like scott steiner was uh out of his mind um well you have to you have to stand up for yourself after a while if you 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 continually let someone push you around you train you train people to treat you a certain way and if you keep letting them do that, they're going to keep doing it. So boundaries, boundaries Absolutely. set you free. <laughs> Absolutely. But the, uh, the, the vignettes, or not vignettes, but the backstage uh, scenes that were filmed that day were, for me, I just 
Champagne television, just gold, uh, seeing Scott yes. Snyder in that situation. <laughs> so you have mentioned a little bit of about that era, it. right? All the vignettes back <laughs> then, the attitude era and all that. So that's it. Um, so you have mentioned a little bit about, you know, how things would go uh, as far as a schedule is concerned. But um, what would a typical day be like in, in the life of April Hunter in WCW? Oh, um <laughs> it was exhausting honestly the travel would beat you up worse than anything else I wasn't there that long um because I felt like for me money is not much of a motivator feeling um what's the word I'm looking for feeling useful or gratified by what I do mm. as as more of a motivator um, so for then, you know, coming from the West coast and going to the East coast a lot, that was, that was for me is very, very exhausting. Um, and all the driving and everything. Then we got there, we would check in, uh, one o'clock and kind of sit down and wait until the show started at, I think there were seven o'clock. So there was a lot of sitting around and waiting. You had the shows trying to get out of there. Got to drive three or so hours to the next one. You sleep for this much. Your flight out the next day because you're going back to the West Coast again was like five in the morning. Um, I would get home, drop my bag by the washer and dryer, pull out whatever, wash it, put it back in, refill my little bottles of whatever, and kind of sleep for the next two or three days, get to the gym when I can and start over again. So <laughs> that's when I realized I was like, this is a really difficult business and there's no break. You do that nonstop. Of I actually course. feel like I looked older than 20 years ago than I do now, just because I was run so ragged, you know, after a right. while, it's just like, it's, you know, wow. No, I do think you are drinking from the fountain of youth. Um, uh, soon into this run, as you've just mentioned, you weren't there long, but all of a sudden, it's just uh, Tylee, Medeja, and Shakira. Uh, Pamela becomes a backstage interviewer, but April Hunter is nowhere to be seen. And when I, I remember watching it back then and, and wondering where the girl with the red hair went. Um, <laughs> so uh, did you, did you, you know... Well, did I say to you, you, they didn't have anything else for you? Did you tell them that you weren't happy with what you were doing and you felt like you could contribute more? What was that situation? It was the second one. I took them aside and said that I felt like I was... Now, granted, you got to remember, I did. we got in the business without knowing anything about the business. So we didn't know anything about paying dues or being patient or anything like that. I didn't. I was used to uh, the modeling business you're used or you're not, or um, you're, <laughs> you're either working or you're aging and time is passing you by and your career is passing you by. And at that point, I was very popular on the, the fitness circuit with, the, you know, I was doing muscle and fitness and muscle mag, and I was turning down shoots left, right, and center for these publications because I was on the road and I couldn't do them. And then WCW was not using me. So my mentality at that time is, you know, what everybody's mentality at that time is you're only as good as your last published shoot. Yeah. So I took them aside 
and said, if you're not using me, I'd rather be free to do something that I can do while I'm still young enough to do it. And while I'm out here, not realizing that that's the story you tell yourself at that point, you know, you're in your twenties and you think, oh God, I'm going to be 30 something or in your thirties, you're like, oh God, I'm going to be 40. And you think that your life is going to be over once you flip that decade, not understanding that that's not what happens, but that's what society tells us, or that's what our mentality was at that point, which is wrong. The only time, (laughs) the only time you don't have enough time is when you're dead. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You have enough time. You're fine. You just keep going. Um, You can start a career over at any point you want. And I wish I knew that when I was younger, but people should know that you, you're not running out of time if you want to do it. If you want to do something, you'll find a way. If you don't want to do it, you will find an excuse. It's that simple. But um, I told them that I'd rather be useful. And what happened then was Terry Taylor called Jim Ross. And um, WrestleMania was happening in LA. And Terry and Jim set up an interview with me to go to WrestleMania and um, meet with the writers and everybody the next day. And I did. And then I got a call from WWE, which is WWF at the time, saying they were going to send me out to Boston to train with Killer Kowalski. Right. And that's where I went. That's where I went. Right. So, so that, that was like, uh, that was where I was leading to next. Um, I, I was going to ask what made you make the decision to start training, but it's because of uh, the WWE wanting to help getting you trained. So that's pretty cool. I had no idea about that. So uh, I love learning those little Mm -hmm. uh, nuggets of information (laughs) there. Um, Okay. Killer Kowalski training there, trained a lot of people in the business that, you know, made Mm -hmm. a great name for themselves like Triple H, Perry Saturn, China, et cetera. Uh, Tell me a little bit about the experience of training in wrestling and um, having to learn how to not actually punch someone in the face. Um, well, it's funny. They wanted to send me the power plant and I was like, no, <laughs> I knew just enough of that time to go with no. <laughs> Terry, Terry calls Jimmy's like, we have a girl here. She's getting paid for show. She's not in her contract. We think she would do really well with WWF. You should grab her while you can. <laughs> Jim's like, okay. Um, uh, let's see. So I went out there. Um, I, <laughs> It was, it was, it was a unique experience. Um, I was the only female in the class at that time for a long time. Um, there, there, there was a lot of pressure at first because I was coming in recommended and all of a sudden, like all this press kept coming by to do interviews and magazines and New England um, Sports Network did a thing and MSNBC came in and did a thing and I almost feel like it was just I was like oh god I feel like I'm being it was like a setup to fail you know what I mean like here's this girl and she's gonna make it but what if I don't make it Um, and to be honest with you when I got there it was a total shock Um, first off my background is also in as a gymnast when I was growing up. So gymnastics and martial arts, we're kind of trained not to fall. Like falling's bad. You don't want to fall. 
So it took me a while to grasp the concept of letting yourself fall and being okay with it. Um, and when I came out of training, I was, uh, I was aggravating anything that had been aggravated before as far as injuries. Um, I was also a professional dancer for a long time. I was a burlesque dancer, but I was a, a full blown dancer too. Um, so ugh. I remember feeling like it was the worst pain that I'd ever experienced. Um, because on a regular basis, because it was the pain of like having a really horrible workout. Like you go into CrossFit after not warming up or having worked out in three months. And it was also the pain of having been in a car wreck all at the same time. So you could take all the salt baths in the world and take all the, you know, Advil or aspirin or whatever in the world and nothing's changing it. You're just like, <laughs> I don't want to move, but you have to, because there's another class two days later. So we train Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, and Sundays, and you wow. have to be there. Yeah. You had to be there and you had to be on, you had to run, you had to do your calisthenics. You had to hit the ropes. I had bruises everywhere. So when you hit the ropes, they're not ropes. They're still cable yeah. wrapped in tape. So bruises, bruises. And then I ended up with a callus on my thigh right you just you end up build up building up calluses in weird areas um yeah but i realized later when i started going to other places and training like i trained out at upw in california for a very short bit and once i got out there i was actually better trained than a lot of the girls because i had i had no i had no one to compare to so everything right. that guys were doing i was doing and then I got out there and they put me with the girls and the girls were at that point, at that point in time, this was early 2000s. Um, yeah. The girls were doing basic stuff and kind of their, their, their bumps weren't crisp. They couldn't go over the top rope frontwards and backwards. They were, they were good, but they weren't equal. Yeah. So, is that, a, I, know, I was mean. working. Yeah, I was be, I was working in Japan. I was working in Mexico. I was Mexico, Canada, where it was a different thing. So I always thought that wrestling in America um, at that point was almost like a thinly veiled form of acceptable erotica, kind of like the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders or the Hooters girls or you know the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Whereas if you go somewhere else where porn and erotica is more widely acceptable. You know, like in Japan, you can buy schoolgirl panties and a vending machine and there's porn on every corner. They don't give a shit. They don't hang, you know, have hangups with that. If they're going to buy a wrestling ticket, they want to see wrestling. So, you know, Germany, same thing. They can get their shies of porn anywhere. They, <laughs> <laughs> they want to see, they want to see women's wrestling. So, you know, these other countries aren't as hung up on things like boobs. Um, like we are, we're so puritanical and ridiculous. So um, that our wrestling, I felt at that point was so held back. You know, we were still doing, um, you know, hello fight matches in the yeah. United States or you're being thrown, they, promoters didn't want to pay for two women on a show. So they would throw you in the ring with some guy's girlfriend that had been training for two hours. And that was your match. Yeah. 
Well, that sounds a little frustrating, but uh, I completely understand what you're talking about there. You're training with the guys, you're learning the way that the guys do it. And then the girls that you're meeting are being trained as a, a, you know, as girls. So like they're training them differently. And here we go. This is why a lot of your career, you probably do a lot of um, intergender uh, wrestling and a lot of yeah. uh, mixed tag team matches one of which i wanted to bring up and i wanted to see if i was correct here of what your debut match was 7th of july 2001 a tag team match with arch kinsade against dormarie and simon diamond for chaotic chaotic wrestling in revere massachusetts yep. is that correct are you all right yep yep <laughs> how did it go um you know, I don't remember how the match actually went. Uh, Arch, Arch, and I did the April and Arch Kincaid thing. We're a brother and sister team. Um, it was a really weird, fun gimmick. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to go by at that point. I didn't want to go by Hunter anymore because I felt like I was trying to prove myself as more than TNA, and that's what I was, you know, previously known as. And at this point, I was working so hard at Kowalski's and taking so many bumps and getting so hurt. I was like, I'm scrapping my name and I'm starting over and I'm wearing pants and a shirt. And, you know, I was just sort of putting a burka and a hijab on. I'm like, you guys are gonna appreciate my athletic ability. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I started over. Um, and, and Dawn Marie actually took me aside. She's like, don't do that. <laughs> She's like, you've worked really hard to get where you are. Use your name, wear your short shorts, show your cleavage. She said, when you get out there, she said, you need to be everything so you can work all the time. She said, see if you can manage a stable because if you manage one person and they get hurt, you're out of work. She mm. said, so manage a stable. She said, be a manager, be a valet, be good on the mic, be able to wrestle, be a tag team wrestler be everything so you will always work. It was like one of the most valuable, most valuable pieces of advice I ever got. And she took the time to tell me that. And she said, and also she said, I can appreciate what you're doing and trying to be athletic. She goes, but you need to put some swish back in your ass when you walk into the ring. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> but, um, but Pat, Simon Diamond, he's, he's an amazing human being. He is fantastic. He, um, He's, he's, uh, he's, he's a great dude. And I really got fortunate. I really got fortunate working with a lot of people. Like I worked a lot with, um, jazz and Rodney Mack. Um, I was, I was lucky to work with some really great people. There was a girl, Vesna in, in Germany. Um, I worked with Gail Kim. I worked with, uh, Mickey James. I, uh, let's see who else I work with on a regular basis. Um, Mercedes Martinez, um, you know, uh, Sumi Isakai. So I was, um, you know, Mima Shimoda. These, and I know I'm forgetting some really important people here because, again, I'm not fully, but, <laughs> you know, Lacey, lovely Lacey. These were really, really great, um, talented, smart women. Um, and I got, I got lucky to work with some really, really great, you know, great, great girls. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and uh, you know, you, you do have a great run, uh, you know, in 3PW and uh, Jersey All Pro. Uh, you, yeah. you team with a few girls, Nikki Rocks and Velvet Sky, I believe. Uh, before oh, she yeah, was yeah. They were my tag team partners. I came yeah. back from Japan and all the women there, <clears throat> nobody had ever done a tag team in America before. I started that. So 
So um, <laughs> in Japan, I stole it from, I stole everything from Japan, honestly. Um, so I was going over there on a regular basis because I mean, where you go to school matters with everything. So I went to Full Sail University. I went to Killer Kowalski's um, School Matters. So um, I was able to go overseas pretty quickly. And in Japan, a lot of the singles wrestlers worked in tag teams also. So I came back home and I was like, why are we not doing tag teams here for women too? So um, Nikki and I formed the Killer Babes and we had our purple outfits. And then she started getting a lot of work. Like she was working in Mexico like full time and we couldn't continue the gimmick. And it was funny in Mexico, they screwed up our name and they would call us the baby killers. <laughs> Brilliant. And I realized it was, it was, they were doing that for a little while too. It's like somebody finally tell us, they're like, you know what they call you? They call you the baby killers. So we're like, what? <laughs> hey? Brilliant. Oh, pincha. No. So, um, <laughs> and then uh, Jay, uh, Talia, or Velvet Sky, and I started TNA, Talia in April. But it was also at that point, they were doing the Diva Search competition on WWE. Right. So it was all about, you know, TNA and Playboy searches and everything. Nothing was real serious. So we did art. It was kind of honestly, it was taking the piss on what they were doing. So we were we were making it all like, you know, sassy and sexy and ridiculous, but we were also trying to wrestle, like really wrestle there too. So we were trying to uh, show both sides there. Of course, of course. And that we actually did for a while. And then, and then, um, <laughs> and then TNA uh, hired us and I got hurt right before. So they took the gimmick and kind of applied it to the beautiful people. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Oh, I had no so that's, idea. That's, that's, yeah, that's the ring entrance and everything we did and all that. So, and they, 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 uh, Angelina and Velvet, they kind of took it to this level. So they did a really great job with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think they garnered the highest ratings pretty mm -hmm. much every single episode that they were on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They um, did great I, with it. So um, as you mentioned, uh, WWE sent you to Kowalski to train. Did they never, was there never any more further conversations about bringing you back after training or what happened there? There was, yeah. yeah. I did um, several tryouts for them. I went to Heartland for a week-long tryout. Um, I did another couple of tryouts with them. They uh, wanted to hire me and put me down at OVW. Uh, the problem was... <laughs> Uh, long story short, um, at the time I was dating someone, um, the, the British guy and I split up at the time I was dating someone, um, Jamaican and they were not okay with that. So okay. the OVW offer or the, the uh, developmental deal offer was contingent upon me splitting up with him, which I, 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 I questioned that. I said, I don't understand what my personal life has to do with my ability in the ring so basically I didn't hear anything back after that but That's I still had another tryout years ago or years after that so yeah 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 I know the things yeah <laughs> yeah yep 
Damn it. Um, so you, you, you do spend, you know, several more years uh, wrestling. Uh, and I wanted to know what led you to wanting to wind down from it and uh, eventually retire. I believe maybe your last match was 2014 or something like that. Yeah, I kind of got out of it a little bit earlier than that. I came back for like a little bit. I did like the, and when I did, it was easier matches. Um or like it did the, uh, what was it? The Tang Girl Tag for Shine Wrestling. Um, I was, I felt like I was getting older and not able to kind of keep up. And honestly, it just wasn't fun anymore between all the hurry up and wait and the backstage stuff and um, the lack of pay at this level. And, you know, I know at this point I'm not going to go any higher and I don't want to because I know that travel schedule and everything i mean at least it's not on the ww level um my priorities had shifted i had started university in 2015 and i just um i just wanted to put my time and energy into something else right um fair enough uh and before i get to the final segment five second frenzy i wanted to ask you just to update everybody and what you're up to these days, plug everything that you can. Um, I'm, I know that you're doing a lot of exciting things, so please let everyone know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have my toe in like every ocean. Um, okay, where do I start? All right, I'll start with the obvious. I also have a podcast with um, Aaron Stevens. It's called The A Show and he was uh, Damien Sandow in WWE. Um, so we are on um, every Tuesday live, uh, every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern. Um, so that is live on twitch.tv slash The A Show. We're also on Patreon, The A Show, uh, with a lot of extras on there. So that is, again, The A Show. And we're on, you can find us on Twitter as underscore The A Show. So that is the most recent venture that I started. Um, and I'm also currently publishing a children's book, which should be out this year. Um, called A Tale of No Tale. Um, that's about a corgi. Uh, it's based on my own. I have a homestead with chickens and uh, I grow my food and all kinds of stuff. And this is about a corgi. It's based on the ugly duckling story. Okay. Um, I have uh, written a few things that have gotten published. Um, um, working on a uh, screenplay at the moment, uh, which I don't know if that's going to go anywhere or not, but it's got potential, but you never know with that one. Um, I, uh, I caved and started the OnlyFans thing when I lost all my bookings last year. It is not super exciting. There is no porn on there, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> um, it was a way to get in touch with fans and stay in touch with them and make up for a little bit of the extra money. Um, it's a lot of wrestling and cosplay and some erotica, uh, you know, cutesy topless stuff and that is only fans april hunter um so you can see me there you can see a little bit more of me there um but yeah <laughs> you're not going to see too much more of me there and i'm also on <laughs> i'm on patreon april hunter i'm super easy to find and that is kind of everything so i i do all my writings there um everything i put everything i create up on there that's kind of my favorite site i have my old school site which is aprilhunter.com still doing there uh, that what else and i'm on instagram as real april hunter am i forgetting things i feel like i'm forgetting things i think you, you, you've hit the nail on the head there uh yeah i think you've mentioned yeah. every platform that you um that you're on 
And uh, all the you know, ones at the moment. As I said before, <laughs> multi-talented. I didn't know you were writing a children's book. So again, you just keep surprising me, April Hunter. Um, oh wait, I'm on Etsy too. I make oh, my really? own organic soy candles, <laughs> soy candles, and 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 soap. I make a nerd soap, like Game of Thrones soap and Fight Club soap. Actually, occasionally send them out to Australia. Oh my God, is it expensive to send stuff your way? <laughs> it but, is. Um, yeah, Etsy, and it's uh, April's Sensations. So there you go. There's my last plug. <laughs> excellent, <laughs> excellent. Um, okay, April, we're going to get to this segment right. now. Five second frenzy, quick fire answers with quick fire questions. Some are about wrestling. Come back to haunt me when I run for president. This is right. It's, this should you should be okay, I think. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay, the first one here on Five Second Frenzy. Who is your favorite wrestler? Um, Eddie Guerrero. Great, great choice, great choice. Uh, over the years, who was your favorite opponent to to wrestle against? Uh, probably Lacey, lovely Lacey. Um, there were a couple of guys too. I loved wrestling the guys. So I liked the matches I had with the DRS in a Jersey All Pro. And I consider Jersey All Pro my home fed. So I loved working for them. Um, Jersey All Pro and 3PW gave me the tag team titles, the male tag team titles. And I was the first female to hold male tag team titles. So they kind of let me run with the ball. I was also the first female on TNA Impact um, or for TNA to ever wrestle for them. So um, they didn't want female wrestlers and Jeff Jarrett Jar uh, brought me in. So a lot of firsts. I got to do a lot of firsts. That's pretty cool. Um, yes. Okay. Uh, if you could pick one match, what was the favorite match you ever uh, performed in? Oh, I know it's a hard one. You know, there are some matches out that I don't even remember. <laughs> like I see them online. I'm like, I don't <laughs> really. At all. Oh God. I'm trying to think one match, huh? Um, you know, I had one against Momo Nakanishi, um, and she's never wrestled foreigners, Westerners. I think she only ever wrestled one, <clears throat> um, besides myself, and then she retired. So that might be one of my favorite matches. Awesome. Okay. Away from wrestling, finally, your favorite book? Hmm. Um, there's a few. Steal Like an Artist um the think like a monk um um the art of nonconformity. very nice uh favorite tv show not many at the moment it's the handmaid's tale oh uh, that's like yeah um breaking bad yeah the shield favorite. Yeah, The Shield was really good. I'm trying to think of stuff I could watch over and over and over again. Those are the ones that are coming to my mind right away. Um, I know I'm missing a bunch. That, like, those popped into my head. Fair enough. Uh, and not to make it more difficult, but favorite film? No, oh, uh, Back to the Future. Oh, excellent. Good choice. Uh, <laughs> never get tired of watching that one. Uh, no. Favorite musical artist, April? Allison Chains. Oh, excellent, excellent. <laughs> yeah, love it. Um, favorite food? Bacon. <laughs> Can't go wrong with bacon. Uh, no. favorite, <laughs> favorite place to eat on the road? 
Uh, probably Chipotle. You can get a rice and chicken bowl there, you know. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, I do, I'm a big fan of the mom and pop places, though, but for chain restaurant or P.F. Chang's. <laughs> Lovely. There's three left. Favorite okay. alcoholic beverage? Yeah, vodka. It's low in sugar. <laughs> Very nice. <We laughs> Followed up closely by tequila, sugar. which has healing properties. <laughs> uh, and the, the second last one, I guess, is is the naughtiest one of uh, Five Second Frenzy. What is your favorite male body part? What is something when you see a guy, you're going to check him out? What's what's something that you generally you know head towards with your eyes? Uh, his face, actually. I'm a face person. I'm a weirdo, though. So I always figure, you know, if someone has a, I'm going to be sitting across from them and looking at them. So you have to have a good face or an interesting face to me. Something like, you have a good face. So you. you, you, like, like people, like for me, I, I've dated a lot of people that don't work out and have uh, questionable physiques because I really like who they are, what they're about. And I th- I'm one of those strange introverted people who need to be like mentally and emotionally connected to somebody or I'm not really into them. So I've spent my life around a locker room full of really good looking guys who look amazing, who I've not been into because they're just not, I'm not connected to them. I can yeah. appreciate the hard work that they do and I can appreciate what they look like but it's just not not to say it's not my thing it's just i need to get to know somebody so that's why like one night stands and things like that have never been my thing either so yep. it's just not uh, it's not fulfilling to me i don't think i understand that's that a great sense. answer it's a great answer and we've had a, many interesting ones on the show i must say but um i really like that one uh and also wide, sh- wide shoulders too is nice <laughs> oh <laughs> A little bit of a wider shoulder just is nice too. Right, the broad shoulders, very nice. I I tend to think I have some broad shoulders. Uh, There you go. And uh, the last one, April, what is your favourite curse word? Mm, Science. It's so universal. And like I said, I spend so so much time in England, you know, everything's cunt this and cunt that. Yeah, it is. I went out with me mates, cunt. (laughs) well uh, april i really want to thank you so much for taking the time to have a conversation with me today Uh, i learned some things and uh it was just really fun to finally learn those things about you and just have the chance to talk to you because you you know i I stand by what i said before you are a superwoman you can do so many things and you know i want you to know from the most isolated city in the world perth western australia i appreciate you and everything that you've done in your life and i hope you're proud of everything that you've accomplished thank you i appreciate that very much thank you for having me on too (laughs) you're welcome and Everyone out there, thank you for watching us here on the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California, and through with my new friend, April Hunter, and we will see you next time. Thank you. <laughs>